make it brief so that we can have more time at the second service. This one is for people who want to get the double dose and for those who want to come and then maybe go to work. That's why we designed this service to accommodate them. Alright? Uh, please fill all the empty spaces in front of you. Don't let me be making that announcement. Just do it. Go ahead and fill up the empty spaces. Hallelujah. Praise God. Trusting God in Uncertain Times, part two. Psalm 46, 1 to 11, and I will also be in Mark chapter 4, from verse 35 to 41. The book of Psalms in the 46th division. I'll be in verses 1 to 11, and thereafter... I'll be in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark chapter 4 and verses 35 to 41. Psalm 46. To the chief musician for the songs of Korah, a song of Alamoth. And what is the song? A song upon, sorry, Alamoth. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear. Though the earth be removed. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled. Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. Selah means pause and think about this. The description that the psalmist was giving us here is a tumultuous one. These are not situations that happen and then you are calm. To see the mountains shake, it shows that there is an earthquake going on somewhere. He said, even though the waters thereof roar, the waters give a loud noise. It is enough to cause trepidation in our heart. He said, but we will not be troubled. There is a river. Verse 4. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts, Jehovah El Sabaoth, is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold, that is look and consider, that's the meaning of behold. Look and consider the works of the Lord, what desolations he has made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot and the fire. Glory to God. Be still and know that I am God. Hey, come down. 
Stop being agitated. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that that situation is not the God of your life. It is not going to swallow you. Be still and know that it will outlast this storm. It's a phase and it will pass. Be still and acknowledge that I am God. And I'm still on the throne. And I'm still in charge of your life. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord will be exalted in your life. No problem, no trouble will be exalted in your life. By the time God is done with you, people will no longer describe you by your situation. In the name of Jesus, God will be exalted in your life. If you understand that prayer, you shout a better amen. People are defined by what they go through many, many times. The lady with so-so-so-and-so. The man with so-so-and-so. Blind Bartimaeus. His first name was not blind. How come we don't know his first name? Even after he had been here, we still call him blind Bartimaeus. He's no longer blind. <laughs> the woman with the issue of blood, but she had the name. These people were described by their conditions. But God will be exalted in your life. He said, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. A refuge is a place of safety. A place you run to in the time of trouble. In the nation of Israel today, I watched a short documentary. When the enemy nations that surround them fire a rocket into Israel, they already put an alarm system in place. The moment that alarm sounds, you have about 45 seconds to run into the nearest bunker. They have built shelters or what I can call a, a place, or places of refuge to run into so that they are not destroyed by the rockets and the bombs that are thrown by the enemy. The reason some organizations are raising funds for Israel is to help build more of such places of refuge so that each Jew or every Israelite has access within a few seconds to a bunker, a place where they are shielded from the attacks of the enemy. In the realm of the spirit, Satan keeps sending his shelling artillery at us. Satan keeps sending his missiles. He's the enemy of our soul. He hates us pretty much. He hates us because we are of God. He lost his place. But by the blood of Jesus, we applied and got that place. So he hates us. But God has not left us without protection. In Proverbs 18 and verse 10, you must understand this as you go through life. Don't go through life like you don't have a God in heaven. In Proverbs 18 verse 10, it says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
One translation says, a strong high tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Imagine as an Israeli or as an Israelite, as the alarm goes, you are running into a bunker. Because the moment you get into that place, usually maybe underground, you are safe. No matter the destruction that goes on outside or around you, it doesn't touch you because you have been able to run into a refuge. In the realm of the spirit, you might not have a physical place to run to. But the Bible makes it clear to us, according to the psalmist in Psalm 46, in verse 7, and he also repeated it again, he said, the name, now, the Lord is our refuge, the God of Jacob. The Lord of us is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. He said it in verse 7. He repeated it verbatim in verse 11. The Lord of hosts, Jehovah El Shabbat, meaning the God of angel armies. My goodness. There are armies deployed to protect us. And there are angels. Powerful. Strong and mighty. In Psalm 103 and verse 20, it says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his word, hearkening to the voice of his word. Angels are superhuman. They have superhuman, they're not superhuman, but they have superhuman strength. They have supernatural strength. They can move mountains. They can move situations. They can move things that we cannot normally, ordinarily move. These people, these beings, these wonderful creatures have been ordained by God for our protection. In Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, the psalmist said, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Now they protect us all around. But the enemy does not stop at assaulting us from the outside. Because he knows there are angels who keep us. Though, he keeps making attempts. But again, he tries to trouble our heart. Where angels might not be able to protect you. Your heart. He tries to organize situations for us to enter into, and then we say, oh, I'm in trouble. But God is always one step ahead of the devil. Can I have an amen to that? So whether it's an external assault or an internal assault, God has us covered. The God of Jacob has us covered. That's why Jesus said to us in the Gospel of John, we're going to look at it this morning, to not be troubled, to not let John chapter 14 verse 1, to not let our heart be troubled. Our heart, our heart, the internal place where Satan can assault us. So we are not without protection on the inside. Neither are we without protection on the outside. So let him try whatever means he wants to try. God is already one step ahead of him. Can I have an amen to that? When we run into trouble, we call such Troubled times, uncertain times, or times of uncertainties. Globally, this is a period of uncertainty around the world. As we are complaining in Nigeria, people are complaining in America, they are complaining in the UK, they are complaining all over the world. 
They have this situation, they have that situation, they have some epidemic, they have some problem, they have some health issues, they have financial issues, there is inflation everywhere. But God knows that such a time would come, such a time as this would come. And he had gone ahead of us before we were formed in our mother's womb to prepare a way for us. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? So, so we must come to a place where we are able to trust in God. To trust in him. That's why I've titled this, Trusting God in Troubled Times. I will speak more about the word trust as we progress this morning. Let's go to the book of Mark. The second text I'm going to read, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. We are going to be in chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. We are protected on the inside and on the outside. Can I have an amen to that? That amen is too weak. If you know you are protected on the inside and on the outside, can I have an amen? Let me show you a scenario where the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ got into trouble. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. And the same day, when the even was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. What did he say to them? Come on, say it out loud. Let us pass over to the other side. Did he say let us go and die? Did he say let's die in the middle of the journey? To the other side. The other side was the destination. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was, in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and they said to one another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Like I said, trouble comes to every one of us. Trouble comes to every nation. No matter how close you are to God, trouble will come. As I speak this morning, some of us are right in the middle of trouble. Some of us are just coming out of trouble. Some are about entering into trouble. It is an integral part of life. There is nothing you can do about it as long as you're on this side of life. There is an enemy of our souls. His name is Satan the devil. He is a troublemaker. He doesn't like it when we're in peace. He doesn't like it when God prospers and blesses us. No, he likes to get, to get us to be troubled every time. It was Satan that caused the storm here. It wasn't God. It wasn't God that sent the storm. If it was God that sent the storm, would Jesus have been able to calm it? Come and talk to me, church. Can his father do something that he will undo it? No, he said, I do what I see my father do. If I don't see my father do it, I can't do it. And the father shows me everything that he does. You find that in John chapter, chapter 14 from verse 10. You find it also in John chapter 5 and from verse 18. I do, I do that which I see my father do. So when he rebuked the storm, it means
things that he had seen the father rebuke the storm. So he went ahead to rebuke it because the storm was not from the father. The goal of Jesus was for them to get to the other side. They were going to continue their evangelistic work in their ministry work. So he said, let us go over to the other side. Let's move. Let's make progress. Let's step forward. That was what Jesus said. But in the middle of the journey, there arose a great storm. This is a reflection of what goes on in our lives. God says, I want to bless you. I want to make your name great. I want to make you a minister. I want to make you a, a, a champion. I want to make you a captain of industry. But in the middle of your journey, between here and there, there will be a storm. Between start and finish, there will be all sorts in the middle. They started the journey and Jesus fell asleep. Of course, they'll be ministering all day and he will pray all night. So he had the right to fall asleep. Glory be to God. But while he was asleep, the storm came. Making an attempt to capsize them. And Jesus was expecting his disciples to use their faith to calm the storm. Whatever you go through, Jesus expects that you will deploy your faith. You should have faith in the love of God. That God so much loves you, he will not mismanage your life. So you're supposed to deploy your faith to every situation that is contrary to the will of God for your life. This storm was a contrary wind. It was trying to prevent them from getting to where they were going. He was resisting the ship, beating against it so much that water was entering the ship. The water around the ship does not sink a ship. It is the water that enters the ship that sinks the ship. The trouble around the believer does not sink a believer. It is the trouble that gets into the heart of the believer that sinks the believer. That's why people say they have a depression. Yeah, I'm depressed. No, I'm not depressed. Never. May you never be depressed in the name of Jesus. What do you do then? I want to make progress this morning. What do you do when you're in the middle of a storm? I want you to notice that regardless of their closeness to King Jesus, they still had their uncertain times. Even though King Jesus was in the boat, they still had trouble. So one of the things we do sometimes when we get into trouble is to first of all condemn ourselves. Maybe because of what I did yesterday, maybe because of what I said. Now, don't be careless with what you do and what you say. But hey, whether you say the right things or not, <laughs> trouble will come. Uncertain times will come. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Jesus was in the boat, yet trouble came. He was in the boat, oh. I thought the trouble should respect Jesus now. So, you must understand that it will come. But how you deal with it is what makes a difference. You must learn to bind the spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. Fear is not an emotional state of being. Fear is a spirit. And you must learn to take charge of it, otherwise it will sink you. Fear comes to all of us, just like trouble. Trouble and fear, they are together, they are cousins. Their master is Satan the devil. He will send fear as a dispatch rider. Fear will clear the way for trouble and for the devil to come. But when fear knocks on your door, and you 
refuse to open the door and you bind him and cast him out, the devil and trouble will not be able to come out. The devil always brings trouble. You must resist fear. You must resist fear. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, the word of God tells us, we have not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear, but of power, sorry, but the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Fear is a spirit and it's a spirit of bondage. It's not a spirit of freedom. It tampers with your freedom in Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If God has not given you, then who has given you the spirit of fear? Come and talk to me. Come and talk to me. The Bible was very, the Apostle Paul was very specific with the help of the Holy Spirit in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says God. In Romans, it said we have not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear. We have not been given. But it didn't say the source. But then in 2 Timothy 1.7, it was very explicit. It said God has not given us the spirit of fear. So when I see the spirit of fear operating around me, operating around my life, operating around my family, operating around my heart, my mind, I know that this is not a gift from God. And so if it is not a gift from God, I have every right to resist it and to reject it and to bind it and to cast it out. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? Somebody offers you poison and says, well, it's your birthday. I give you this poison to drink. If you have enough common sense, do you take such a gift and smile and say thank you and open and begin to drink on your birthday? Even if it's not your birthday. You have every right to say, no, I reject that. I don't want it. You can go and have it if you like. That's how to deal with the devil. That's how to deal with the spirit of fear. Be very rough with the spirit of fear. Fight dirty with the spirit of fear. Resist him with every fiber of faith in you. Many of us are too gentlemanly with the enemy. And we are too patient with failure. Too patient with fear. And let's watch. Let's watch if the symptoms go down. If the symptoms go down, it will get worse. When you see symptoms on your body, you attack it. You attack it. It has come to attack your health. You attack it. You say, well, let's, let's, just, let's see as the days go by. Do you realize that people fall sick within two, three days and they die? Do you realize that? That these days, the devil is not even giving people a fighting chance. The moment you cite a symptom, you attack, you become rough with it. What do you do when fear comes? You know, because fear has torment. I will explain that a little more as I progress. But let me quickly give you these two points. One, you need to pray, Lord, reveal your love to me. And I'll tell you why. Why I'm introducing the dimension of love to this message. You need to pray, Lord, reveal your love to me. <laughs> this is going to be one of the most important prayers in your life. To know the love of God. Ah, la, 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 la. To know the love of God. If I ask you, everybody, do you know that God loves you? 
without thinking, you will answer yes. Am I right about that? But you don't know it like you should know it. If you'll be honest with yourself, if you're going to be sincere with yourself, you don't know the love of God like you should know it yet. But you can know it. Because God wants you to know it. And when I say no, I don't mean head knowledge. I mean heart knowledge. I mean revelation. Revelation knowledge of the love of God. This will free you from every bondage of fear. Paul the apostle said to us to pray. In fact, he prayed for the church. Colossians 3. And let's go to verse 19. Look at this the kind of prayer that we are supposed to be praying. Colossians 3.19, please. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 19. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, did I say that? (laughs) Ephesians, I meant, not Colossians. Sorry, pardon me. Because that one is talking about uh, husband and wife. (laughs) Ephesians. Ephesians 3. Actually, I love to pray that prayer from verse 14. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that it will grant you according to the riches of his glory. So I put my name there, and I put the expression as there, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, may dwell in your heart, in my heart, by faith, that I, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, Yes, what for? May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of God. The love of Christ. The love of the anointed one and his anointing. Which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. How can you know something that passes knowledge? This is a prayer that you may know the love of God that passes knowledge. It's beyond knowledge. He said, but I want you to know it. It's beyond head knowledge. But you can know it by heart. It can be revealed to you. When God began to open this up to me, it began to change my life. Began to change my attitude to troubled times. Began to change my attitude to uncertain times. Began to change my attitude The way I see myself. If I ask you, do you know that God loves you? You say, yeah. But a couple moments later, you'll be saying, well, but if God truly loves me, why have I been through all this hell in my life? What was God looking at? I lost my dad. I lost my mom. I lost my job. I lost my relationship. Maybe I lost some money. I, I, I lost, I lost, I lost, and then we're recounting all our losses, and then we're blaming God and saying, well, I mean, if God loves me, I don't understand, though. I, don't, I really, I don't know. Yeah, you really, you don't know. That's the problem. You don't know. But the day it dawns on you, in your spirit, man, that God really, really loves you, in spite of you, can I shock you a little bit? No matter what you do, God cannot love you more. Oh, I want to get God to love me some more. Let me fast and pray 100 days without breaking my fast. Lord, I just want to prove to you that I really love you. And then 
I really want you to at least just love me a little more now. And there is nothing you do that will make him unlove you. Can I have an amen to that? He had loved you with an everlasting love before the foundation of the world. You need to know. The word know here in Ephesians 4.19 is the Greek word genasko. Somebody say genasko. Genasko is actually a sexual word. What do I mean? It's a word used to describe sexual intimacy between a man and a woman. Now, that's the highest form of knowing or intimacy. If anybody has access to your whatever, your body, they know you in such a way that maybe no other person knows you. That's the word genasco right there. It's the same word that Paul the Apostle used that we may come to know the love of God, the liquid love of God. This only comes by the help of the Holy Spirit. No preacher can help you. Well, they may help you a little bit, but nobody can help you know this like you need to know it for yourself one-on-one with God. The, you see, usually we, we point at our flaws. We look at our errors. I'm not perfect. I don't do things right. I make mistakes. And that's what you hammer on every time. And that's preventing you from knowing the love of God. And some have gone into legalism. Like, you know, if you do this, God's going to love you more. If you join the ministry and you start serving and you get to church before everybody and you fast every Wednesday like Pastor Fred says we should fast and you pray every day and you read your Bible and you get on the streets and you evangelize. All those are good things. Can I have an amen to that? But guess what? They have no effect on the love of God. What did the world do for God to love the world? John 3, 16. The world is wicked, yet for God so... The Bible didn't even say like. He said loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you know why God loves so much? He loves so much because that is his nature. God himself is love. God doesn't have love. No. He has power. Yeah. He has faith. Yeah. He's faithful. He's powerful. But God is love. Anywhere you see love, you see God right there. Agape. It's not sexual love I'm talking about. People say they love you because they want to have sex with you. The moment they are done, they hate you. You don't mean much anymore. That's heroes. And so some young man just comes and deceives you. You know, I can't think without you. I can't sleep without you, baby. He slept all night. He snored. He didn't even remember you. People love you sometimes because they get stuff from you. You give them money, you give them stuff. Oh, that's the guy, that's the person. People are dying today because of politicians. Not because those politicians love them, but because of hand down, you know, handouts that they get from them. And the moment the person loses election, does not become president, they go back. <laughs> so today they say, Hosanna! Tomorrow they say, crucify the idiot. God doesn't love that way. God loves you. In spite of you. Oh, but I'm not perfect. Yeah, he loves you. Why can't he stop loving me? He had loved you before you were formed in your mother's belly. So when will he stop loving you? He had loved you before the foundation of the world. He put the love in motion before you came. (laughs) Glory be to God. I said glory be to God. 
So regardless of what happens in the middle, he still loves you. When that storm hit their ship in the middle of the sea, did Jesus still love them? Yes, but they didn't know the love. That was why they woke him up and cried, Master, don't you care that we perish? They didn't have the revelation yet of the love of God. That even in your troubled times, God still loves you. In spite of everybody ganging up against you, God still loves you. And one with God is majority. This set me free from the love, the validation of men. Same people who validate you today, the next moment they're speaking ill of you, including church people. Including your family members. Including your friends. People you've stuck your neck out to rescue in their time of trouble. Then something happens. In fact, maybe just somebody told them something about you. You didn't even do anything to them. Somebody, it only takes one person to, to, to badmouth you and they don't greet you anymore. They don't take your calls anymore. It's okay. It's all right. And let me speak to you young ministers. I have a couple of them in service this morning. It will happen in the course of the ministry. Don't kill yourself. The people you, you give your money to, you give your time, you pray for, you fast for, you do everything. It's only a matter of time. They're going to hurt you. They're going to speak ill of you. They're going to backstab you. They're going to betray you. Now, you don't kill yourself because of that. Move on. Because God loves you. Amen? I saw the picture of Bishop T.D. Jakes comforting one of his sons in ministry, Stephen Furtick, of the Elevation Church in North Carolina. <laughs> the guy was just on the stage weeping. That's the pastor of a mega church. Oh, Lord. You, 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 people say, what, what are pastors do? What's the job of a pastor? Get into, get into ministry. Yeah, you'll, you'll find it. You don't need to read a book about the works of a pastor. Get into the ministry. And he was telling him, he was comforting him. They're going to leave you. Yeah. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. All of that. You see, but what stabilizes you in the midst of all of that, even if you're not in the ministry, you all have friends, you have colleagues, those of you in medical school, those of you in different kind of schools, you have colleagues, you have, you have friend, people you call your friends, they're they going to do all kind of things. The love of God is what stabilizes you. The love of God. So when your ship is being rocked by a contrary wind, if you anchor your faith in the love of God, you know that you will get to your destination. And I pray for someone this morning, you will get there. There is a place called there. You will get there in God, in the name of Jesus. Paul said, we should pray to know the love of God. I don't know how best to explain this. But to tell you to pray to, to, to know the love of God. It will set you free from the strife of the tongues of men to know the love of God. The day it happened for me, I got set free. So it doesn't matter what you say about me, really. What does God have to say? Do you know that people can even validate you sometimes while heaven is not validating you? Oh, what are people saying about me? I care what they say. Yeah, you should care. <laughs> But you should care more about what everyone has to say about you. They might say you are the best person. You are the, oh, you are the most fantastic. You are this, you are that. But what is heaven saying about you? So if I settle that, first of all, by coming into revelation of the knowledge of the love of God, I think then I'm free. Now, that doesn't give me license to live a rascally life. 
That doesn't give me license to be disobedient to authority or to be disobedient to my parents or to, to, to treat people badly. No, no. If you truly know the love of God, then you want to act out the love of God. You don't give what you don't have. But if you know you have it, then you, you give it also. People should look at you and say, why are you behaving like Jesus Christ? Say, well, because he's my Lord. He loves me. That's what I've received and that's what I'm also giving you. If I'm receiving poison, then I'll be giving poison. But if I'm receiving life, then I should also transform life to you. Can I have an amen to that? Transfer, sorry, not transform. Number two thing I want you to do or to know in troubled times. Make time to meditate on the word of God. Especially scriptures that speak about the love of God. Make time. Make time to meditate on them. Meditation is powerful. When you are meditating on the word of God, in the world today, they are doing all kinds of meditation. Soul travel and all of that. Now, that is not biblical. I never saw Jesus do that. Whatever you don't see in the Bible, you go to a gathering, they tell you, now let's be quiet. Now let's travel. Travel now. Travel into your past. Go. Really be. Remember that. Look. Don't get, don't get, don't get caught up by some evil spirit. The devil, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, transforms himself into an angel of light. I've been in a gathering that something like that happened. <laughs> and the, the facilitator was eventually begging the people. Saying, oh, I'm sorry, I made you feel bad. Because the end was for them to come out and smile and be happy, but they ended up in depression. <laughs> because they remembered all those bad events in their lives and they could not recover from it. And so she went from person to person hugging them. I know you need a hug right now. Hey, a hug doesn't do it. Faith in the love of God gets the job done. Amen? <laughs> if you hug me now, does my, does my sorrow disappear? It's your hug that will disappear. I still carry the thing. So don't get into all this nonsensical nonsense. Get into the meditation on the word of God. Meditate on the word. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but on it you shall meditate day and night. Day and night to observe. Joshua 1.8. Media to observe. To do all that is written. According to all that is written therein. For then shall thou make your way. You will make your way. Your way. You will make your way. Not God. You will make your way prosperous. And you shall have good success. How? By meditating on the word. When? Day and night. When you are meditating on the word of God. You are chewing. Your mind is chewing on the word. And let me tell you what. You prosper according to the prosperity of your soul. A prosperous soul is one rich with God. Rich in the word of God. Your soul is divided into three compartments. You have your mind, you have your will, you have your emotions. I'm not teaching on that this morning. But I want you to understand that the moment you begin to meditate on the word of God is affecting your soul. It's affecting your soul positively. Whoever has your soul has your life. Do you know why people commit suicide? People commit suicide because the devil has their soul. The devil tells them now, nobody loves you, nobody cares about you. Why are you still? What are you waiting for? Go and end it. And boom, they get a rope tied around a ceiling fan and then they hang themselves. Is it true that nobody loves them? 
Is it true that nobody cares about them? But they believe the lie of the devil. The devil is a liar. He doesn't know how to speak the truth. Whenever he speaks, he speaks that which is natural to him. John 8, 44. He's a liar and the father of it. Are you with me this morning? So don't meditate on the lies of the devil. If you meditate on the lies of the devil, you're going to depression, you're going to suicide. And oh, I tell you, Christians meditate a lot. Do you know that worry is meditation? When you worry, you worry a lot. I used to be an ultimate warrior. Oh, I would worry for yesterday, worry for today, worry for tomorrow. Look at my life and I will worry. I will look at my wife, I will worry. I look at my children, I will worry. I will say, ah, this one. When will I continue? Here, how will I continue to have money to pay their bills? What if that day comes and I'm not, I'm not able to pay my rent? What if that day comes? I'm not, I don't even have a, a plot of land. What if that day comes? What if, what if? And let me ask you, what if it doesn't come? What if God is your supplier? What if God is your sustenance? What if God supplies more, more than you could ever ask or think according to the power that works in you? You have a choice. Listen, everybody. You have a choice every day. Whether to meditate on the lies of the devil, which is equal to worry, or to meditate on the word of God, and this helps you to have revelation. I am a free man today because of my meditating on the word of God. I don't meditate on the lies of the devil. The devil is a liar. He will tell you nobody likes you, nobody loves you, nobody cares about you. What are you waiting for? Take the knife or take a sniper and drink. 100 level students in UI some years ago drank hypo. Uh, 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 she drank a, a detergent. Now, for those who are not Nigerian, we have a detergent called hypo. It's a chemical for washing. She drank it because she broke up, because her boyfriend broke up with her. Boyfriend, I tell you, if anybody breaks up with you, they don't deserve you. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? Because they don't know what to carry. They don't deserve the treasure on the inside of you. But she meditated on the lie of the devil. The devil must have told her, look at you now, your life is finished. How? Your boyfriend is gone. <laughs> your life is over. What are you waiting for? You're at 100 level. She didn't even have a degree yet. She experienced matriculation, not yet graduation. Can you imagine the stupidity of that kind of human being? And I tell you, people are falling. They are meditating on the lies of the devil. That is equal to worry. Every time you are worrying, is because you are meditating on the lies of the devil. You are meditating on what the devil is telling you. You are thinking about it. You are, your, mind, your mind is chewing. You are chewing the bone that the devil is serving you. He's serving you bones and you are chewing on it. I don't waste my time to meditate, let alone to believe. The lie of the devil. Can't you see your vision is going blurry? In a matter of a few months now, you're going to go blind. That might be all you hear. That, that is not from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't talk like that. And then the Christian begins to think about it. Morning, afternoon, evening. Morning, afternoon, evening. And eventually they'll go blind. What happens to a human being who goes to the hospital and they decided to run tests and maybe they ran HIV test and by the time the result came out, result got mixed up. Somebody who didn't have HIV was told that they had HIV. Three months down the line, do you know they can die actually? You know why? Worry? <sighs> 
she was over like this. But do you know this person doesn't have it? But because they were told mistakenly that they had it, they won't sleep all night. They worry all day. Oh God. And they won't seek medical help. They keep worrying. Oh my God. Oh my God. No, they won't even take antiretroviral. You don't even need it anyway. But they worry alone. If you see them in one week, they would have lost weight. You agree with me? Because what they see is death, death, death every time. They can't see life. They can't see light. Imagine what happens after three months and then they get a call from the hospital and say, we're very sorry. We just discovered that it wasn't your result. So I use that scenario to show you what the devil tells you. He's a liar. He says you're going to die young. You're, ne- you're never going to make it. These uncertain times will swallow you. You don't even have a job. The global economy is tilting towards the recession right now. People that have jobs are sweating. Now, you don't even have a job. How are you going to survive? Man, let me tell you an instance. During the lockdown, now you can Google this. There was a particular minister in Germany who was in charge, I think in charge of the economy or budget, something like that, who killed himself. Why? This was in the news. I mean, some of you, do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so Tim must know. Any other person? You should be informed. Yeah, a couple of other guys know. This man killed himself. You know why? Because he said he didn't know how his people, the people of Germany, would cope with the stress of the pandemic. He didn't know how they would survive economically. Now, he wasn't the prime minister. The prime minister at the time, the minister was Angela, uh, 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 Merkel. What's her name now? Angela? Is it Angela? Angela Merkel, something like that. She didn't kill herself. A minister in charge of a ministry killed himself. He took his life. Because the devil packaged that situation very well and sold it to him. And took his soul in exchange. What do I want you to meditate on? To chew on? 1 John 4, 16 and 18. Can you give that to me quickly? 1 John chapter 4, 16 and 18. 1 John. And we have known the same word genasco is used here. We have genasco. We have come to the place of knowing intimately. Look, church, I wish I could open your heart this morning and pour the revelation of the love of God there. But I can't do that. You need to do this for yourself. I want you to spend time daily for the next three months it's an assignment I'm giving you. On 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 and 18. You can meditate on the entire 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. It's all about love. But this one particularly, particularly, one word from God can change your life. Are you getting what I'm saying? One word from God is powerful enough to revolutionize your thinking. And you don't graduate beyond your thought life. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23 and verse 7. 
Meditation helps you to change how you think. And whoever has your soul has your life. I'll teach more in the coming days on the power of your soul. Your mind, your will, your emotions. Because the devil is cheating us in that dimension. Look at this. And we have known, one, and believed the love that God had to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. He doesn't say God has love. He said God is love. And he uses two words there. Number one, we have known. Number two, we have believed the love that God has to us. Let me ask you, church, do you know the love that God has for you? One. Two, do you believe that love? Do you really believe it? Ask yourself, do I really believe? Or I'm trying to believe. If you don't believe the love, you can never get to the place where you trust God. Trust is on a higher level. And that's where I'm going with this series. To get to that point where we trust. I don't meet someone in a day and just trust them. Trust comes with relationship. Trust comes with fellowship. Trust comes with intimacy. Trust comes over time. It is built. It's not conferred. It's built. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's built. You can hear the word of God now and believe. That starts the process. It's not the end. The apostle said we have known and believed the love of God. Do you even know, first of all? Then do you even believe? Go to verse 18. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfected love, maturing or matured love, casts out fear. You know why? Because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Somebody say with me, say fear has torment. Have you ever feared anything? Were you tormented by that fear? It torments. You could be in church. Maybe you left your mom at home sick. Or your younger sister sick. Do you know the devil can tell you while you're in church? Your sister just died. Today I told you not to go to church. You should stay at home and take care of your sister. You're a bad sister. How can you be a sister? You're a sister. You can't be a sister. And you left a sick sister at home and then you went to church. She's dead. And um, nobody knows, but you just quickly get up and go to the convenience and then you get on the phone. Hello, hello. You call her number. She didn't pick it the first time. I told you she's dead. You call the second time. She didn't pick up. Oh, God. Don't let my sister die. What do you think is happening to you? You have been tormented. The poor girl was just sleeping. And then you call the third time and then she picks. Hello. Why did you, you know, I didn't sleep all night now. Why are you now disturbing me? You should have allowed me to sleep. Oh, sorry, sir. I just, I just wanted to check up on you. Are you fine? Are you fine? Yes, now. Oh, okay, bye-bye. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Fear has torment. I've been there. What I'm sharing with you. 
The devil can mess you up as a parent. If you have little children, and maybe they've gone to school for the first time, away from home for the first time. Lord, I pray nobody injures my child. Lord, every child that is devilish, every child from a devilish home that is imbued with the devil, everyone that is possessed by demons, they will not play with my children. They will not injure my children. They will not stick a pen into the tummy of my daughter. Ah! That's why I hate those prayers that Nigerians pray. It's not prayer. They call it prayer. Nigerians most times pray from the negative. You will not die. If I pray for you, you will live and God bless you. People will say, Amen, right? But if I say this year, by the end of this year, your picture will not be used for your obituary. The Amen will be heard at Mokola Market. Amen! If you want to get Nigerians, that's how to get them. Tell them you will leave. We are leaving already. Amen. You are blessed. Amen. But tell them, every arrow that is trying to cost your life and send you back to relegation. Ah! Every human being that is born of a woman. Ah! Somebody boy. Ah! 81 noni. What is all that nonsense? Has a tree given back to a human being before? Who was not born of a woman? You see those your hands? Stretch your hands. Stretch your hands. Stretch your hands. If you say you have those hands are blessed, amen. But tell them. You will not use your hand to bury your child. Ah! They will hear that amen in London. Do you realize when you listen to radio programs and they give a gift to someone, maybe somebody it was a phone-in program, somebody won a prize, and then the person comes to get the prize. They say, yeah, pray. Pray for our program and pray for our station. Hey! <laughs> Thank you. What's the prayer? This station, this radio station will not be bought. She will love Are you making a soon? You see how people think? They always think from the negative. It will not catch fire. It will not burn. Are you the one to burn it? Why can't you pray? This company is going to advance. You will grow in leaps and bounds. Amen. You will have other branches. You will employ more people. No. Because even if you say Nigeria, say amen, amen, amen. They are waiting for the real prayer. The real prayer is the negative one. Like you will not die this year. Have you observed that many children who are not trained, not like our own children, who are trained in faith, our homes in the stone church are homes of faith for parents who know what they are doing. Our own children don't pray. You will not die this year. You will not die. Most children pray like that. When you say, yeah, pray for me. It's my birthday. Ah, daddy, happy birthday. You will not die. You will not die. You will not have accidents. You will not have accidents. Yeah, mother will not jam you. Chela will not kill you. Ah, ah! Where is that coming from? Was that the way the apostles prayed? Look at the prayer of the apostle. That you may know the love of God. That you may increase in the love of God. That you may know him. That you may... that ah, ah. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know. If I know the love of God and I'm driving on the road, I know no trailer is coming to jam me. The Lord taught me this practically some years ago. A preacher already, but I didn't know the love of God. I used to live in Akobo. So that day, it was raining heavily. I was, I was caught 
in a big shopping mall at General Gas. Alongside many Okada riders, alongside other commuters and all of that, we were all there. I didn't have a car at the time. So I was among the people. And man, it rained blessing and blessing that day. Not cat and dog, blessing and blessing. And it was thundering heavily. I grew up with a phobia for thunder. In fact, lightning, first of all, before thunder. Because when I was growing up in Mokola, I used to play football on the street, on the road, along with my friends. One day, there was a huge lightning. You know that one that makes a little spark? It, it flashed across the sky. Man, the thunder that followed. My friend and I just ran into each other. We hit. We, it, was, it was a headlong collision. And the pain was severe. So I grew up being fearful about thunder, about lightning. And I had a lot of stories also. I grew up in the ghetto. So ghettos, they have a lot of stories. In the trenches, they have a lot of stories. Like people normally send thunder to people to go and kill them. Like somebody was on the bike. The rider was riding. The passenger, they sent thunder to the, to the rider because he stole the bike. So thunder killed the rider. It didn't kill the passenger. And how thunder has split some people open. You know. How they sent thunder to one man and the man used his hand like this. To do like this, like this and the thunder went away. Somebody even told me before that before a mighty thunder that they saw something like a lamb, a white lamb, like a goat, small goat, a kid, white. That that thunder was like that. That it landed on the floor, on our streets. It landed. After that, there was a heavy thunder. So I had a lot of stories. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Fear comes by hearing. Hearing the word of the devil. So I grew up with that. Now I gave my life to Christ. But I didn't drop that thing. Nobody knew. I even became a preacher. And God had been trying to get me to understand. To know his love. That Fred, I love you. That day taught me practical. I stood with the people. And it was thundering. Now, I was living in fear. But nobody knew I was calm. At least there were people around me. <laughs> if it's going to happen. Everyone is falling. I'm not the only one. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? As far as I was in the midst of a crowd. Then... I was supposed to step into that rain, maybe get a bike or something. My wife was waiting at home. I was supposed to go home. I couldn't step into it. I was afraid. We're on the bike now, and the thunder now strikes. Maybe the guy stole the bike. The thunder will kill him. It will affect you too. You will fall down. All those thoughts were running in my mind. That was the year we got married. But you told me it wasn't long ago, just 12 years ago. Then in the midst of that, all the lightning and thunder and everything... I saw one fine girl, skinny. Her legs were like Indomie noodles. She wore an Ankara gown. I still remember vividly. Brown Ankara, very beautiful. The lady, beautiful. And she carried a tiny umbrella. And she was walking in that rain. And walking under the thunder. I opened my mouth. This one is not afraid. Thunder can tear the umbrella off. What if thunder carries you? I had stories of how a windstorm came to our street and carried one boy and carried him away. 
for, for some days and then brought him back. The man is a pastor now. The, the, is that next month to me? He's one of my mentors. The next time I see him, I will ask him, is that so, is that really true? Because I've never asked. You know when they tell you stuff in the church, you don't believe. Say one man has to wait. Hey, to wait. Ah. Before they say Jack Robinson, you have spread it around. A man has to wait. A man has to wait. A man. Have you seen the man? No, I was told. I saw this lady. Very delectable. Very delicate. She was just walking in the rain. Under the This one is not even afraid. The Holy Ghost spoke to my heart. See someone who has known and has believed the love of Abba. I said, wow. I said, I love you that much. Stop him there. Nothing is going to harm you. The sun, have I not told you in my word that the sun will not smite you by day? Not the moon by night. Something happened to me that day. I looked at that lady. I kept my gaze on her till I didn't see her anymore. I stepped in the rain. Sometimes you want to kill somebody. I'm not the one to, for you to kill. In fact, as a matter of fact, my father created you. So why would the servants of my father come and kill me? Up until that time, I didn't know the love of God. So if it thundered, I believe somebody sent it against me. I believe even God wanted to get me. Now, can you run away from God if God wants to catch you? I grew up with the mentality that if something bad happens to someone, they'll say God has caught them. Does God have to run after anybody to catch us? We're in the palm of his hand like this. I want to stop here because of my time. I have three points to give you. Three lessons to learn from uncertain times. But I don't have the time. Maybe I'll get them the second service. So wait for the second service. And by the way, some people bought uh, a very gigantic cake for me for my birthday two days ago, three days ago, two days ago. And when I saw the cake, I was intimidated. I said, this is too big. I can't, I can't eat this one. May I, uh, maybe just take a bit of it. So we're going to have that cake at the second service. So wait, if, you, if you're a cake person. And then I hope to finish this also at the second service. Um, let me stop here. But let me close this way. Why have I told you to meditate on this scripture? Because revelation is in the womb of meditation. If you don't meditate, you won't have revelation. Revelation is not tough to get revelation on any subject. The tough job is to create time to meditate on the word of God. Are you with me, church? Chew. Let your mind chew on the word. Once the love of God is revealed to your spirit man, it will make you free from the spirit of fear. Then you will start trusting God even when you can't trace him. Next week, by the grace of God, we'll look into the life, or maybe the second service, because I'm going to have to teach something new next week. Second service, so I'm going to encourage you, wait for second service, so you have a double dose today. We'll look at the ministry of Paul the Apostle, we'll look at the psalm. Psalm 125, let me close with that. Psalm 125. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
verse 1. Psalm 125, verse 1. It says, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Go to verse 2. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. Can I have an amen to that? Stand on your feet, everybody. I want you to pray a sincere prayer. Lord, reveal your love to me. I want to know by heart. I want to know by revelation your love. See, this will set you free. It will make you free. Free from the lies of the devil. The devil keeps lying to us. Everybody, please talk to God right now. Lord, reveal your love to me. I want to know it. Experientially. I want to know it intimately. I want to know your love beyond what my pastor has told me. Beyond what my parents have told me. Beyond what society has said. Beyond what religion has taught. I want to experience. I want to know the liquid love of God. I want to know you in my heart. Please focus. You don't need to shout. But focus, focus on Jesus. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know your love. I want to know your love.